Dorothea Goitia holds a PhD from the London School of Economics and Political Science in the UK. She is a senior consultant to Argentina's and Latin American governments and has participated in framing diverse housing and land policy programs related to urban growth, land and housing markets and their impacts on urban wealth and inequalities. She is also a fellow to the Lincoln Institute of Land Policy. Ed Blakely is a former Washington insider, an internationally recognised leader in urban development and planning, advisor and author. For more in this series, check out Pacific Conversations wherever you find good podcasts and check out the website edtalks.com.au as well as the Ed Talks app. Good morning, Cynthia. How is it in Rio? Good morning. I'm fine. Everything is fine here. Uh, you are not suffering too much from the pandemic. No, I'm trying not to suffer from, from the pandemic, but I'm doing okay. Good, good. Um, I know a little bit about informal settlements because I work with Dennis Perlman at the University of California going back many, many years. Uh, and I've uh, been to Africa, India, and so on. But many people don't know how big the informal settlement issue, I don't know if it's the issue or formation is in our major cities. Give me some background on informal settlement. Okay, to give you an idea, globally, more than 1 billion people live in informal settlements. And what we know is that this number is set to double in the next 15 years. So it's a huge amount of people living in informal settlements all over the world. In Latin America and the Caribbean countries, uh, more than 100 million people live in informality at, at least 10 years ago. And this, this number is surely higher in, in, at present. So, these informal settlements are very, very important in Latin America. To give you an idea, uh, one, one in four people in, in Latin America live in informality, living in an informal settlement. So our cities in Latin America are, um, are, have a lot of informal of people living in informality. And this is a problem for the cities and for the residents. Um, how do you get water, ordinary services to, how do you well, that, have building they codes? Don't get, they don't get, they don't have, they don't have infrastructure. They don't have uh, roads. They don't have public space. They live very, very, sometimes they live in very crowded space with overcrowding. Many times they live in houses with very low, very bad uh, construction and very and, and very low quality uh, construction materials. They also um, don't have drainage. They don't have electricity or have illegal connections to electricity. They don't have tenure rights. They can be evicted in many places. So. And this has a lot of implications. And many times they don't have, they live in places that are very far from the city center. We have two types of, of two different types of informal settlements. Those are, that are very dense and that are located 
just in the center of the cities and people live in very high densities and, and with very in bad the center conditions. of the city? In the center of the city, if you if you think about the favelas in Rio de Janeiro, are very near the most important uh, neighborhoods of the city, and in and in very well in, in very well located, but people can only afford to pay there informally and in very very high densities. The second type. Of, of informal settlements is that, that we have in the peripheries of the cities, very far away. And those people face a very important constraints to have access to the um, labor market, to schools, to shopping, to uh, uh, health, health services, and all of those things. So, um, Informality is it's it's quite a big problem for for all the cities, and you also have a lot of informal settlements in Asia and in 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 Africa, of course. And beginning in the United States. And in the United yes. In the yes. beginning, uh, we have informal settlements in the United States when I was living there in Los Angeles. Hmm. Yes. Right in yes. East Los Angeles, there are informal settlements. And the homeless settlements have become almost permanent. Yes. The homeless, uh, homeless, homeless settlements, and you have a lot in, in California and in, in Washington State and all over, now all over the United States, for example. So now this problem is growing, as you say. Uh, now there's one kind of way it grows just intergenerational. I have my baby there, we live there, we stay there. But some people are being pushed into informal. They cannot pay their rent. They, uh, there is no place to live. The housing prices are too high. What are the reasons people get into informality? Is it just being born there? Are they poor or how do they get there? Well, some people, as you mentioned, born there and continue to live in the, to live there. But the, the main explanation is that the formal land and housing market does not offer uh, an alternative, a housing alternative for that is well tailored to the affordability requirements of this low income population. In many, many countries, in many of these countries, uh, a formal plot, it's, it's unaffordable. Housing is unaffordable. People cannot have access to, the, uh, to, to housing finance, for example, to, to afford a formal housing house in the formal market. So the only alternative that they have is that is to occupy or to live in an informal, an informal settlement because that is what they can afford to pay. But in fact, this is not cheap for the households because households need to pay a lot in substitute goods. They don't have water, but they have to buy bottled water. They don't have uh, they don't have they, they they became sick they have a lot of cost in 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 health because they consume water that is from poor, of poor quality quality they don't have electricity and they have to 
restored to informal connections of electricity and 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 that has a lot of of other problems for for those who are living there so there are there is a misconception and, and people think, well, it's cheap to live in informality. No, it's quite very expensive. They need to, to pay a lot to have access to transportation and to, to the cities and to labor markets. So that's it. That's the, how, the, the, how does this become intergenerational? One would think that if I had a child, my informal, I would spend all my resources getting my child out of there, sending them to school and this sort of thing. Are there transitions from informal to the formal housing, to the formal labor market? Or do people just stay their whole life living this way? Well, what we are, we are seeing in many Latin American countries is that uh, people stay informal. There have three, three generations, for example, of people living in the same settlement. Uh, there was a period of, of time in Brazil, I think uh, 10 years ago or something like that, that all the economic situation help people improve the, the living conditions. And many people that were living in, 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 in informal settlements can afford to live outside informal settlements. But this is not the case now. And in fact, we have just finished a, a study trying to understand if informality has been growing uh, in, in, in most of the cities. And we find evidence that it is growing all over, all over the cities in in Brazil and Latin America too. Now, uh, one of the things that I found when I visited these places, they have an informal police force. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, sometimes it's connected with the regular police force. I went to one in Rio that's connected to the regular police force. I went in with the police and they knew people in the place. They provided some kind of public services uh, in the one I went to Rio. Is that kind of regularization uh, of turning the informal uh, police or assistance or people offering services, making them part of the formal network, like giving a person medicine so they can administer to other people, uh, giving the police some training there or providing a little bit of electricity or moving schools into the informal sector. Is that happening? Not this way with the police. I think that the police and the military force were um, uh, going inside many favelas and many informal settlements due to, to, to criminality and other type of, of problems, drugs, for example, a lot of 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 of, of drugs and, and those things that make people uh, that that make the government uh, need to introduce the police or the military in order to uh, to to be for safety that that's to to promote safety in these neighborhoods. But this is not not very common. In in fact. Uh, there's a, a strong, in many of these neighborhoods, there is a strong sense of community and, and, and people help each other and try to live together. Uh, 
and but it's not the the best place or it's not the sometimes we have a, a romantic view of of informality or these mm -hmm. places where mm -hmm. all the community work together and and that is not the case the people are suffering it's not it's not nice it's not it's not the best way to live to live in these informal settlements now um but there are things like ordinary things, education. People need to know how to read and write. How do they do that in an informal settlement? Well, they have access to school. What happens many times is that the school is very far away. So the the, the children need to walk, walk a lot or need to 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 or they don't have, for example, they don't have enough, enough space at home to do the homework, or they don't, don't have uh, all the, the, the things that they need to stay safe at home to do the homework, or they don't have, or, or the parents can, are, cannot have enough time to support the children at home. So because they have to work or they have to do extra, extra works in 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 the home in the house or or outside the house so uh, and education is quite very important and 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 we know that that there are many ngos also working in these informal settlements trying to help uh, uh, the parents and and the children to improve their educational levels this ha all these families have suffered a lot during the pandemic Oh, yes. Because they were constrained to 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 go to school, they don't have an internet connection available at home, so they cannot uh, have uh, uh, um, assume, uh, yes online education. So those are the ones that most have suffered during the the the, the pandemic, uh, and now it's in many cities. It's very hard to bring them back to school, bring them back to study. Many, many children, uh, younger children, for example, have left school because they, 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 they didn't go back to school, for example, now that, that, that schools are open and people are going back to school because they spent almost one year and a half without education. Mm. And there's no family reinforcement for the education. They no. even lost their parents, I assume, with some of them. Yes, yes, yes. Now how, well, how, parents... I, I want to ask this about the pandemic before we go on, because if you look with close, close quarters, the pandemic's worse. Uh, the disease spreads very quickly by human contact. Was the death rate very high in those informal settlements? Uh... Yes and no, because yes, there, there were a lot of, of, of people, but by the other fact, many young people live in informal settlements, so they were less affected. They were they were ill, they were the the but they were they they didn't uh, they don't they didn't die, yes. Uh, but by the other side, they live in very high densities in, in many informal settlements. So a lot of people get infected in, in, in these houses and they don't have access to water, for example, to, to yes. wash their hands. And they don't have to, to some, 
basic conditions that, that you need to improve your, your way of life. In fact, they, many of them who work informally, uh, who have informal jobs, cannot move from house, from the house, because they don't can they don't have access to transportation, they don't, they cannot work, they cannot go shopping because the, the places where they, they go to buy food are very, were very far away. So they suffer a lot. And, and many of these, of these people also work in, 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 in formal jobs in the city center of, of the cities of, of, of many Latin American cities. And they are the city centers um, where the office were closed, the, the shops were closed. So many of these people lose their, their, their jobs. So I think those people living in informal settlements were one, some of the most affected by the, by the pandemic, perhaps not in, in, in health issues, but in the, their whole uh, standard of living. And, and many of them are, are still uh, having a very, very hard times, very, very hard times. Well, that's the same in the formal market. The people who are suffering most were shining the shoes downtown. They were uh, mm -hmm. serving the coffee and no coffee to serve, you're not serving in your neighborhood, so you have no job. Yes, yes, you're right. That's exactly what, what is happening. And these people that living in informal settlements that, that need their, 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 their job and need that uh, have been suffering a lot for the last two years. And so their children are they too. coming out now? Is it better or is it the same? Well, as you, you know, perhaps you know, all the governments are spending a lot of money in some type of transfer to the, to the, to this, to this low income population in order to, to, um, to have money to, to, to eat and to, to live, but the situation is not improving yet. I think there will be a lot of time. And in, in terms of education, I think that most of these children have lost many, many years in their, in, in their life because this is going to affect how they, their, their opportunities to work when, they're, when they are older and all those things, the lack of education all these years will, will be going to affect um, what is going to happen from with these children when they grow grow older? So the the opportunity structure from that description is closing in. So I remember in many places, twelve year old kids on the street were selling newspapers. Uh, they could read a street sign and things like this. Now, if they have that, if you're twelve years old and don't have that skill, what do you do? I mean, you don't carry your, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the gangs will pick you up and use you as a runner. They, they don't need an education. So crime can increase in such a situation because people have no alternative. Yes. They can't read and write. Yes, you're right. You're right. And that, that's, the, that's the, the challenge that many of these uh, places are facing right now as how to improve the living conditions, how to improve education, how to improve uh, the skills that these uh, young 
kids need to to have a successful adult uh, life. Mm. Um, in in basic situations like water and so forth and housing, uh, there was a movement to clean up these settlements uh, to provide a little bit of water you know, a central water service to provide a, a, a nurse. So this, has that all disappeared during the pandemic? Yes, during the pandemic, we, you know, governments in, in, in the region are trying different alternatives to cope with informal settlements. Uh, many years ago, they think about evictions uh, and try to evict most of the population. This was not the case. And, and now United Nations and all the, all the international organizations are, are very uh, supportive of, of, of not having any evictions in these settlements. And so the alternative is to uh, upgrade them to provide services, to provide infrastructure, uh, to provide water, sanitation, roads, public space, and all the things that they need. But this is very expensive. And many times, for example, governments in, in Latin America or in African countries or many others have many, many informal settlements and do not have the resources to upgrade all these settlements. So they are doing a few of them each year, which makes that informality is growing. And what the governments are doing, always it's going behind the, the need. The, the, the increase in informality is much uh, higher than the, the things that the governments are doing to upgrade the settlements. So what we have been doing during these years is trying to say, well, okay, how we can start to prevent informal settlements? Uh -huh. how, how can we start to prevent people to uh, live or to, to, to be located in informal areas which are very many times these settlements are in in are areas that have very bad envirom environmental conditions they are they have they have many problems so what can governments do to prevent informal settlements to increase the size of the formal land and housing market and we are working right now with many governments in, in Latin America and in Africa, African countries too, in order to look on other things, for example, on land use regulation, on the way that land use is regulated. And as we know in, in, in many, we know for developed countries that land use regulations many times explain uh, the inelasticity of the land and housing market, which yeah. limits the supply of, 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 of housing or affect land prices or housing prices and affordability, or even many times functioning as a social exclusion mechanism. Yes. So in, in developing countries, we, we face something like that. We have minimum size plots that are too big and much bigger than what the population can afford. And we have a lot of, of this type of restrictions that make 
uh, housing and, and, and access to land very expensive. So we are working to, with, with, with some governments and try to find well, which will be the ways in which we can build more inclusive land use regulation and we can build more inclusive housing in our cities. But uh, um, the situation is, if you're describing it, much of the land you could build on it is already occupied by informal settlement. You Are you thinking going into the regular neighborhoods and building more housing and existing modern income house areas, or are you going to find new locations where you can build housing? We are we are thinking at, at this time, for example, our cities are growing with informal settlements. Mm -hmm. in, uh, people located in the in the peripheries of the city in in uh, and living in informality without infrastructure. And then it's much more expensive for the government to go exposed and try to provide the services and the infrastructure than to do it ex ante before and try to first provide the, the infrastructure and subdivide the land and then bring people there. Like but, the, but do you have any land? Yes, yes, there is land. There is land in the outskirts in, 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 in some parts of the city. For example, Brazilian cities have uh, some type of, 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 of regulatory measure that vacant, vacant plots inside the city, uh, near the places where the low-income population or the informal settlements are located, can be used uh, as zones of special interest, can be used for locating new, new people in, in, in what is now, when it's not informal settlements, but formal land and formal housing over there. So this would be public housing? Yes, this would be a type of public housing. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the problems we have here in Sydney, for example, we just don't have land. Oh. Uh, oh. You know, we have water all around us, so land is very expensive. And uh, people have been spread to the periphery so far. So one of our solutions there is to put in metros, trains. Mm -hmm. To improve transportation. To improve, uh, to improve transportation. the transportation. And that opens up more land because where there was no transportation, now there's transportation and you can build on the land created by this move. But the closer you get to the city, the more constraints there are on land. Yes, you are right. And that, that's a problem. Cities are running out of, of land, of, 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 of land for, for housing. But improving transportation, as, as you mentioned, it's a, a very good idea because uh, you can make people, you can, people can afford to live outside the city or, or, but they have good ways to have access to the to, to labor market, to, to, to where the employment is concentrated. The problem in many cities is that they don't have uh, public transportation. So, uh, but investment in public transportation is a, a very good alternative to improve the, live, the, the, the lives of these uh, uh, this households and to try to create more affordable land uh, for them. How do you, um, uh, I work in Santiago, Chile, 
and we mm. have uh, very large areas that are kind of they're not they're part of the housing market but they are um, low-income settlements uh, and the building codes are modified so you can build in those areas and I thought that was a very ingenious way to deal with that, to change the building code so you can build in those neighborhoods, build your own house, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that, that's a good alternative. For, for, that's, that's why there is a, a, a big opportunity for cities to work to improve their, their, their land use regulation, their planning codes in order to, to allow for a greater supply of, of land or affordable land for housing. I think that's that's the best way to, to do that. Uh, if we don't do that, if we don't improve the supply of, of affordable land and, and with, with all the infrastructure services, we are going to have, these informal settlements are going to continue growing all over our, all, all over our cities, generally in all the global south, because this is not a problem from of Latin America. Latin America has many, many years of, of people living in informality, but we can see the same in African cities. We can see the same in many Asian cities, in India and, and, and many others. Well, um, so it's hard for me to imagine providing enough housing uh, to meet this goal because the high-rise housing we've provided in the past become very bad places to live. Mm -hmm. You live on the 16th level. The elevator stops almost the first thing. You know, they build, don't build, put enough elevators. Within a week, the elevator isn't running. You live on the 16th floor. You, write, you better go back to the informal settlement because high-rise is poor. Low rise, there just isn't enough. So I can see some small change by regulation, but we have to have some different approach to housing in general. I mean, even my own children are having trouble finding housing. Mm -hmm. And they make very good salaries. Yes, uh, you know, the, uh, the problem of housing affordability is a huge problem, not only in, 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 in our countries, but also if you take the United States, for example, housing affordability is a huge matter all over many, many cities. Australia in particular. Australia, Australia also, there, there is very problem. Even people with good salaries, with median, with, with good uh, uh, in camps, they cannot afford uh, a house in, in, in general. So, and what to do? Well, many, for example, if we take the discussion that we are having today in many cities, for example, in California, in the United States, you say, well, this single family house that was the, the, the most common or standard uh, type of, of, of of land use planning, well, they can allow second houses in, in the same plot, they can increase density in many, in many areas. I'm sure that what you mentioned is true because very high density uh, social housing, for example, had 
is very bad. It, 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 takes, it has a lot of problems for the people living there and, and, and for the maintenance of this. But we are trying to, to understand what is the, the, the right density in which we can start to, to bring more uh, affordable housing to the market. Uh, so bringing more affordable housing, and most people think that's just the house, but it's not. It's the school, it's the park, it's the, and this is, in rich countries, there's a hard, this is hard to do. Even in a rich country, I built a small town, Dos Lagos in Southern California. It cost us a half a billion dollars to house a little over a thousand people. A half a billion dollars. Because the government requires a school, it requires a fire station, it requires you know infrastructure for water, it requires uh, all the uh, electricity has to be underground now. You have to have three pipes because you have to have wastewater pipe, fresh water pipe, you know, sewage water pipe. It is hugely expensive. Before you even build the house, the expense is very high. You're right. You're right. To promote uh, new development, it's very, very expensive. And in fact, there are many many cities have a very low fiscal capacity to do those, to do so so uh, that's why we, they have to to see in a balance between using all the available space that they have inside the city mm -hmm. which in many cities it's very few and in other cities they have more available space in the city and many times they penalize those that that have uh, vacant plots inside the city, for example, because we need we need construction on it. We, we don't we cannot afford to have uh, these plots without any construction inside the city. We have a lot of cities that have many many they have a lot of space, and by the other side, how we can try to work many times with the private sector. Uh, in, in, in partnership with the private sector to develop new land and to provide the, the, all the, the infrastructure and the public goods and services that are needed for new development. And I think that the, 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 the public sector cannot do it alone many times and they need to put in place some type of, 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 of partnership or, or, or some type of association with the private sector in order to develop uh, market rate housing and affordable housing all in the same all in the same place. One of the ideas that I'm advancing here in Australia is um, people are leaving the farms in the small towns. I'm an advancing idea uh, to put the housing where the people are coming from. People are coming from the villages for jobs. So I want to put in fast trains to those small towns. And the jobs will go there because it's too expensive to run a company that just processes insurance claims in the middle of the city. You can put it out in this small agricultural town 
and create a lot of jobs, not big paying jobs, but many people want to raise their children in a small town. They're nice places. Yes. And if you could improve mm -hmm. the rail service, uh, much of the infrastructure has been abandoned in those small towns. And many of the people that you're dealing with have come from rural areas. Why not make the rural areas better? Yes, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting uh, idea. And I think it, it, it's even more interesting right now because due to the pandemic, many people don't, don't want to live in central areas of the cities. So many people are trying to go outside looking for rural areas or areas where they can live more in contact with, uh, with, 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 with green space. I know that in, in, in Australia and in Sydney in particular, you have a lot of green space and, and open space, but in many other cities, no, the city centers are, are very dense and without all these, not very livable in, in, in that sense. And in fact, if you take a look at many other cities and some other cities in the world, for example, many people in Paris, in, in France, in Paris, live outside the city, live very far from the city. Very live in, far, more city, than 100 kilometers. Live, yes, living in a fast train. Yes. Yes, that's that's that's, and they when they when they need they went to Paris. They use the the fast train or or what they need, and they go to the city to work, and they live very very outside. And that's the way in which Paris has been growing because the city is very compact and dense. But that's the way in which the city has been growing uh, all these years. That is including uh, all these small. Uh, rural towns that are now in, included in, 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 in the huge uh, uh, area, no? urban yeah. area. And the thing that will make this work, and I'm giving a speech on this, is when you build the trains, you build the internet. You use this opportunity to put optic cable along the train line. So these small towns now have well, you and I are using it right now. I'm not in Rio, but we could have a business transaction, right? Over the yes. internet. Yes. I see yes. you, we could, I mean, people, I, I do a, a law business in urban planning. I have not been to my office in a year. And my, my business has gone down, but I also now have business with people in other countries. Yes. Because I'm an that's, expert that's... in urban planning and people from Santiago call me up just like they were calling me if I lived there. Yes, that's the way most of the people uh, in, in, in these uh, activities are working right now. We, you can work anywhere. And if you have a, a good internet connection. And that's and what I think we need to do with these, uh, kind of stop the flow in a sense, by putting better internet connections, getting the insurance companies, giving government grant for the insurance company to move its processing unit out of the center of the city. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. The banks, and I agree with you. The banks have all these people sitting in there doing nothing really except moving pieces of paper. And now it's the internet connection. 
They could be anywhere in the city. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, they don't want, many people don't want to be uh, in, in the center of the city anymore. They don't want to do they that. They don't want I think. to be. So uh, I'm giving this speech, this is a national speech, and they asked me to give it, what the city should be like post-pandemic. I said, flatten it, spread it out mm -hmm. with the train mm -hmm. and the internet. And we have this mm -hmm. phenomenon, you may have read about it. Uh, uh, people moving to rural areas has gone up 150%. And there are people my children's age in their 30s who say, I can't take this anymore. They just take their computer with them. Both of my daughters work from home. So one moved from Boston to Richmond, Virginia, and all of her customers are still in Boston. Yes. And nobody yes. knows she's moved. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's the way many people are are, are working right now. Uh, and as you as you mentioned, many people don't want to to be at the at the city center. They want to be in another place. And I think that that's what it's changing due to the pandemic. I think that the pandemic is starting. We don't know. We have a lot of uncertainties about the pandemic. We don't know if this is one pandemic or a, a series of of, of, of new pandemics that are going to happen in, in the near future. But what we know is that all over the world in, in history, pandemics have, have a, 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 an effect or an impact in, in cities. And we know that uh, better infrastructure, better public spaces, better uh, building construction, codes and many other things have, have been created due to other pandemics in, 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 in the, the history of, of humanity. So I think there are many, many transformations that are, are coming that, and that the pandemic uh, make, uh, uh, for example, with, 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 uh, with uh, this type of, 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 of homework and, and people can, people that can live uh, uh, in in one place and work in another. This is a, a tendency, a trend that that I think it's going to 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 be more uh, more strong in the near in the near future. And we have a lot lot of changes in 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 the way in which people do retail many times. Again, yes. by internet, we 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 don't we not only can work at home, but you can only also. Uh, do all your your shopping from home so there are many many changes and and also there is a uh, a change in preference of the people people don't want to be in crowded spaces don't want to be uh, in in high density places people want to have more open space more uh, green green areas be more quiet enjoy more of life because Many people realize in, in, in the last two years that they have spent a lot of time in transportation, for example, in, 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 in commuting from work to, to home, and then they want to stay more at home, they want to stay more with their children. So I think there are many, many changes that are going to have an impact in, 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 in our cities all over the world. And I think if we can stop the flow, the people coming from the farms, by putting jobs and some people will do the preference you've just mentioned and build a lot more intermediate sized cities 
will have a healthier outcome. And this will absorb some of those people who are now living in Yugoslavia say, I came from a farm. I'm going to go back to where I came mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. I still yeah, might right. be selling chewing gum uh, in a little uh, kiosk in a small town. I'm making the same money I made in a big town. And yeah. I have a better life. Yes, sure. So, so sure. I think that is one course of action. Clearly, it's not the only one, but we have to have many, many um, options. Yes, but I think that the, one of the most important things is to uh, bridge the gap in infrastructure between yes. these areas and the, and, and the central city. And that, that makes transportation, that, may, that, that we, we talk about the internet and all those things that could, could help and good education for the children. And that will be a, a very good option. Yeah. Uh, and all these things take many years. But if we keep doing what we're doing, we make a worse problem. Yes, you know we have a we have a problem in, in Latin America, for example, and, and many other countries. We have huge metropolitan areas which are really very big, twenty million people, 20, yes. 22, 23 million people. They cannot continue growing. No. It, it, there, there's no way for these cities to be believable with with such amount of population. There, there's no no way for that. So I think we need to to think about this type of, of, of alternatives. Yes, we have to. Well, Cynthia, is there anything we haven't covered? <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm very glad to to have the opportunity to to talk with you. So thank you, thank you for inviting me for this. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ed Blakely will be back with more in this series next week. Make sure to subscribe wherever you find the podcast. And for more information, check out the website edtalks.com.au as well as the Ed Talks app. For weekly U.S. news and current affairs, check out Ed and I's other podcast, U.S. of Ed, also wherever you find good podcasts.